Alrighty, welcome back to the podcast. This is our 46th episode coming back to you guys after NFL week three. We're going to kick it right off with our Sunday MVP. Uh, we had a, obviously a lot of really great games this Sunday and this week in general. So who do you guys think uh, is your Sunday MVP for this week? So for me, my Sunday MVPs, I'm noticing a trend. It's, it's coming from people that I've had to root against for this weekend. My Sunday MVP for this week is going to be Matthew Stafford of the Los Angeles Rams. Mm. 343 yards and four touchdowns against Tampa Bay and the Buccaneers. I mean, this guy, if you watch the game, he did miss some throws early on in the game, first few drives. Both teams were kind of having some difficulty settling in. It was like 0-0 zero to zero after the end of the first quarter, I believe, or 7-0 to zero or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then after that, Stafford really didn't miss much. He missed a few deep balls to Son Jackson, but he also hit on some. And the man had to put up some points against Tampa Bay, and he did. I think they scored like 30-plus against the Bucks defense. Well, um, secondary got torched once again. Front seven. Did I? It did okay. You know, no Jason Pierre-Paul, who was the only pro bowler on the roster, but Matthew Stafford <laughs> did what he had to do against the Buccaneers. So give him my MVP for this weekend. Yeah, for my MVP, um, going to a team that I've actually been rooting for and was pretty high on coming into the season – uh, I got to give my Sunday MVP to Devontae Adams. Uh, I was considering maybe giving it to Aaron Rodgers, but again, with there are a lot of other really great statistical performances, really hard to pick just one. But Devontae Adams, oh my God, what a game. 12 receptions for 132 <laughs> yards and one touchdown. Uh, obviously, those two big catches at the end, which essentially uh, gave the Packers the p- position to hit that field goal. Uh, Rodgers played great and uh, against the 49ers defense, but Devontae Adams which was just torching them. They just could not contain him at all. Um, and especially he, he comes back and he, he sets up the game winning drive with like a borderline concussion after getting like absolutely killed um, <laughs> by Jimmy Ward. So he put the back, he put the Packers in the position to uh, win the game despite the hit. And uh, yeah, I had to give him my MVP amazing performance. So for me, I got to agree with Dylan here. My Sunday MVP is Matthew Stafford. Uh, you know, he already said the stats, 343 yards, four touchdowns. He took over the game. He beat the reigning champs. Um, obviously, the, the Bucks secondary is kind of a weakness of theirs, but uh, it's nothing to take lightly. I mean, he, the, he beat them pretty easily. The score was a little closer than the game actually was. Um, and the Rams' run game wasn't even that existent. So, basically, their whole op- offense was Matthew Stafford. Uh, he was – you know, kind of favoring Cooper Cup a lot. Cooper Cup got open. Uh, he had that one deep pass to Deshaun Jackson. But, you know, Matthew Stafford finally in a new system. Mm-hmm. Had his best game yet. He's he's uh, in MVP contention. I expect him to carry it throughout. This Rams team's looking good under Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. And the NFC West, I mean, they continue to impress, especially their quarterbacks. Last week I had oh. Kyler Murray. This week Matthew Stafford. So, um, it was a great performance by him, and he's my Sunday MVP. Kind of, kind of surprised, Drew. I thought you were going to go uh, Justin Herbert. Yeah, he was up there. He's up there, but we'll talk about him in a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to be talking Niners-Packers now. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, game-winning drive, uh, kicked it off. You know, everyone thought Jimmy G. I'm shocked Jimmy G got down there. Aaron Rodgers said, too much time for me. Drew, if you're the Aaron Rodgers guy on the show, chat a little bit too, but you know more so, Drew, so – Drew, tell, tell me about this game, man. So I already touched on this. Uh, you, you you don't want to give Aaron Rodgers that much time. 37 seconds is 
it, it's not enough for a lot of quarterbacks, but Aaron Rodgers is not one of those quarterbacks. So, uh, but just in general, this is a very, very entertaining, very fun game to watch. Um, let me start with the Niners. Jimmy Garoppolo, I really liken him to like a Dr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type situation. It's like <laughs> he kind of, he kind of, he, he has some good throws and he's, he's playing well, he's composed. And then he just has these like God awful throws and plays. There was one play where it was like a, an option route where, where the, uh, the receiver, I forget who it was. I think maybe it was Ayuk took like, it was, a, Ayuk, a, yes. it was like a corner route. But, like, instead, Jimmy G throws it the entire opposite direction. I could have <laughs> got, gotten, like, I could have given him some slack, like, if, like, Ayuk hadn't gotten there. But Ayuk literally got there and was, like, standing and going along the direction. And then Jimmy G throws the ball the other way. I just don't know how someone's brain can function like that. Um, and then, obviously, we saw the backwards pass. That was just absolutely <laughs> terrible. I don't know what he was thinking there. Um, but, honestly, this wasn't a bad loss for the 49ers. Uh, I think that if there are any red flags defensively, I think it would definitely be the secondary, but I, I think that's kind of well-known at this point. Um, but the secondary played well, all things considered. They were starting like a rookie at cornerback against Devontae Adams. Like, come on. So, uh, and uh, I think this, the Packers defense, I think that the Niners were at their best when they were grinding down the Packers defense methodically, like when they just kept running the ball and gashing the Packers defense internally instead of trying to make Jimmy G force all those throws downfield. Um, I really liked what they did at the goal line with Trey Lance. I thought that was really smart, um, especially that play when they just direct snapped it to use check. That was, that was a great play designed by Kyle Shanahan. Um, the Packers are pack on track. Um, the 49ers, this is oh a loss. My goodness. The 49ers, this is a loss, but I mean, I got to feel pretty, pretty good about this loss. If I'm a 49ers fan, there's a lot to work on, but there's also a lot of stuff that they did really well in this game. So okay, what uh, you got? Before the game, I predicted the Niners to win because they usually have Aaron Rodgers' number. I mean, ever since Rodgers has come into the league, I feel like the Niners have been the kryptonite. He's lost them the NFC Championship. He's lost games, but uh, he, he showed out yesterday. Uh, let me talk about Jimmy Garoppolo real quick. He, he played terribly. I think he's really <laughs> limiting the offense. I don't know, I don't know why Shanahan uh, isn't trusting Trey Lance to go in. I think even though he's a rookie – He's obviously going to make mistakes, but at this point, I think he's definitely more capable than Garoppolo. I mean, I think his ceiling is way higher, and I think he could elevate this offense to the next level. That backwards fumble where Jimmy G turns around and just throws the ball to the <laughs> ground was one of the worst plays I've ever seen a quarterback make. He, he made terrible reads, and he just has happy feet in the pocket. I mean, he snaps the ball and then starts, like, hopping around, looking around. When nothing's there, he panics. Uh, he, he just did not play well at all. Um, but the Niners still almost found a way to win. I think um, the Niners played well as a whole. Their defense was kind of kind of on and off. But um, I don't think anyone in the world thought the lead was safe with Aaron Rodgers and 37 seconds left. I mean, probably even Dylan knew that oh, Rodgers was a bad man. He was going to get a field goal. I mean, all he needed was a field goal. He was going to get it. Uh, and one thing I'd like to add was this was a terribly officiated game. Oh they missed helmet-to-helmet calls. They threw they, – they kind of favored the Niners, I feel like, to get them back in the game a little bit. Um, they caught a couple questionable PIs. Um, and then they called tripping, which is something I've never <laughs> seen called before. But overall, I think it was a really good Sunday night game. I think Rodgers proved that he still loves football. I mean, you know, he said, how can you not be romantic about football? I completely agree. And so, yeah, those are my thoughts. 
Yeah, so I'm going to give Rodgers a little bit of credit here before we <laughs> before we get into the reality of this football game. So no. he had a great game-winning drive. I'll give him that. This was um, definitely a Packers versus ref type of game, and Packers uh, overcame that. I'll give him that, get that credit as well. But if you really look at the statistics, if you really watch the game and got a feel for it, Rodgers played a typical game manager game that we've been accustomed to, to him playing for these past few years. He had 260 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. The team had more rushing attempts than passing and completions. I mean, let's not get these numbers twisted here. And the Niners defense, the Niners defense is not what they used to be. Whereas I know Verrett is injured. Like the pass rush is still very solid. The secondary is pretty, is weak. And the linebackers, I mean, Fred Warner, he made a lot of mistakes last night that last season he was not making. I mean, on that game-winning drive, he was probably – five inches away from swatting that ball, maybe even picking it off to that big in route against Devontae Adams. Last year, Mm -hmm. Warner's getting enough distance between him and the football to make a play on that. It's just like a lot of things happened that kind of made the Niners go out of it. Jimmy G, I've been saying this for like three years now. He's got to get out of there. I mean, their offense is just not – it's just limited. And I don't really know what they're doing. I mean, the running back situation is kind of a mess. If we're looking at the statistics here, no Niners running back averaged more than four yards per carry. All of their big carries were on jet sweeps with Husechek, Ayuk, and all of that type of stuff. So if the offense isn't functioning against Rodgers, the defense isn't getting any stops, you're going you're gonna to lose to the Green Bay Packers, and that's exactly what happens. So uh, now we're going to move on to the AFC Chiefs Chargers was a very hype game. Um, Drew, Justin Herbert's your guy. What are your thoughts about this Chargers victory? Justin Herbert's the real deal, man. Patrick Mahomes says <laughs> when he sees it, he'll believe it. And I mean, he's seeing it right before his very own eyes. Uh, I'm going to get into the negatives first here. Um, the clock management at the end on that final mm. drive by the Chargers was absolutely terrible. I don't know why <laughs> they felt a sense of urgency on first and goal to throw a pass to Mike Williams. I mean, I'm not complaining. I have Justin Herbert on my fantasy team, and I like the guy a lot. But still, why, why are you throwing a touchdown and feeling the need to go for it on first and goal with over two minutes left in the game, with the two-minute warning still pending, and the Chiefs still having a timeout, and the Chiefs also having arguably the best offense in the league when it's operating at its highest potential? I just don't – I don't understand the logic there. I mean, I don't see why you're not running it. You have a capable running back in Austin Eckler. you got to run that ball. you got to ground that clock down. Then I get it. Like, uh, maybe you we want to be kind of extra aggressive, which was the theme of the game, um, was aggression. But I just don't – I don't see the, the logic in scoring a touchdown with well over two minutes left for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense to get rolling. Um, but – on the positive side, I loved how aggressive Brandon Staley was going forward on fourth and nine, despite the penalty um, and uh, getting a downfield. And really what I think what's happening to the Chiefs, why they're starting out maybe not so hot this season, uh, their defense is really porous, especially that secondary. Uh, they're getting a lot of stupid penalties and they're leaving guys wide open. We saw for the first touchdown of the game, Keenan Allen was literally standing still in the end zone and no one was covering him at all. That zone defense does not work for them. And then on the offense, which is their strong suit, Mahomes needs to really stop going for these flashy highlight real type throws. He threw like the no look pass um, that ended up getting intercepted, like bouncing out of someone's hands and then getting intercepted. I mean, I understand that's like a more of a tip than like a Mahomes like terrible pass, but like 
it's a pass that really doesn't need to be unnecessarily flashy. If he just delivers that straight to his chest, like that's a great completion and a great pass nonetheless. Not like needing to like throw like offset with like only his arm and like looking like towards like the opposite sideline. It's like it's cool if you get if you pull it off, but like if you're trying to win a football game, this isn't the stuff you're trying to do. So just kind of uncharacteristic by Patrick Mahomes and also a very bad interception there uh, towards the end of the second half. Um, just completely delivered it right to the Chiefs corner. Um, and then I think also the run game, they started to get it going a little bit, which was good. Um, I like what they were doing in CEH uh, despite the, the fumble. Um, but what I think people are figuring out and what the Ravens figured out last week, what the Chargers are doing this week, you cannot play safe against the Kansas City Chiefs. The minute that you stop playing safe and you kind of go more aggressive, the Kansas City Chiefs, how, their, their chance of winning goes way down because the Chiefs rely on the other team maybe not being as aggressive, maybe giving them the opportunity um, with their offense, maybe not they're trying to grind out the clock, but the Chiefs' offense and their team is just so high volume that they can march down the field at will. So I, I think that with, what's happening with the Chiefs right now, teams are starting to adapt to that kind of very up-tempo offense by kind of meeting it with an even higher tempo. So if you're, if you're playing someone super aggressive, Instead of playing super safe, now you're also going aggressive. And then by that nature, they've, they've gotten beat the last two weeks. So am I super worried if I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan? Not at all. This team is super, super strong. Um, but for the Chargers, it's a massive win for them, really erasing that choking culture that they're known for and uh, getting a great win. Love my guy, Justin Herbert. Yeah, so my thing with this game, I'm kind of going to bring a bit of a historical lens here. Ever since the Super Bowl, I think teams are kind of seeing a way to kind of slow down the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Shannon Sharp on Undisputed is posting about this on Twitter on Sunday. And that's playing cover two defense with two, two safeties. Because what happens with cover two defense is normally cover two is a look that teams often run against because they don't have as many people in the box. And the Chiefs, I don't know if it's either or the either of these or both of these, but they have an unwillingness and or inability to run the run the football when they're seen with this cover two defense. I mean, we saw CEH kind of get going, average like five yards per carry, I believe. You know, Jad was texting about this with CEH at his flex <laughs> this weekend. But uh, they kind of just strayed away from that, and it was a shootout type of game, so they had to do that. But, I mean, that pass, um, the no-look pass, you know, I say adjusted interception for Baker Mayfield. I'm staying consistent with it for Patrick Mahomes. That's an adjusted interception. It's not really his fault. This is kind of a basketball um, aspect as well. Just because um, the person with the ball is not looking at you doesn't mean that you're not supposed to be ready to get the ball. You know, we see lots of no-look passes in the NBA. Mahomes, you know, trying to do that in the NFL, obviously much different. But still, like, he could have done it regularly. But it's still the receiver. you got to come down with that football, pay attention to it. Because it was an accurate enough throw to catch it. But I'm really impressed with what the Chargers are doing. You know, Justin Herbert. You know, I think he's a good quarterback. And as I high on him as Drew is, no. But, I mean, Mike Williams, you know, I think people are kind of underrating Mike Williams. You know, I think he's a very, very talented, mm-hmm. big, big type of receiver. Second best back shoulder fade catcher in the NFL behind Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this guy, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't uh, kind of make like super big, you know, run after catch type of plays. But if you throw this guy the football in a contested situation, he's going to come down with it. Eckler is a great uh, back for what the Chargers like to do. Obviously got Keenan Allen, one of the crispiest route runners in the NFL. It's just a high-powered offense. You need a high-powered offense to beat the Chiefs, and that's what the Chargers were able to do. Chiefs made just enough mistakes, couldn't establish a balanced offense. 
that's what's going to keep happening. I feel if they're going to be facing a good enough offense, but against like these other type of teams, I don't really think the chiefs have anything to worry about. So uh, I think this game, ultimately Justin Herbert outplayed Mahomes, and that's what it came down to. It's as simple <laughs> as that. I think uh, I really like the uh, gutsy fourth down call where they went for it late in the game. I think that was the main reason they won. As Drew said, you got to be aggressive against the Chiefs. Um, the Ravens did it last week. And then uh, dating back to last year, uh, Raiders Chiefs, the Raiders could have punted the Chiefs the ball back with two minutes left up eight, but instead they went for it in their own territory and ended up getting it, which got them the victory. And I think teams are starting to figure that out. I, um, I think Mahomes, he doesn't really look like himself these first few weeks. I mean, obviously he can pick it up and he probably will pick it up. But I think last year and in years past, he gets a game-winning drive in this situation. I mean, he threw a terrible uh, ball to Kelsey on like third and five or something late in the game. He just overthrew it by a mile. And I think he's trying to do too much. I know the Chiefs defense obviously struggled, but I think that was the expectation. And I think this offense, I thought they would pick up a bigger role. Uh, I thought they would carry the team more, but a four to zero turnover margin in a six point game, that's just terrible. Uh, I think Mahomes, he sits in the pocket waiting for big plays too much. I don't, I don't like what I'm seeing from this offense, especially mm. in that last game. Uh, and I, that's where I kind of disagree with you, Drew. I think there is something to worry about if you're a Chiefs fan because mm. the defense was not playing well. And although the offense is high powered, if either Mahomes, Kelsey, or Hill, if, if one of them go down, I think this offense gets significantly worse, which makes the team significantly worse because the defense is not going to be able to hold up. Um, I just I just don't see uh, the offense being as high powered as it's been in years past. And Mahomes is trying to do too much. Um, he's coming into this year. He has never thrown an interception in the month of September. Now, I believe he has um, three, which is insane to me. Mm. So and also another thing, I think this AFC West is going to be very dangerous. In years past, it's been oh, a man. cakewalk for Mahomes and the Chiefs. But now you got two undefeated teams. And the Chargers, who are two and one, who just beat the Chiefs. And when was the last time you saw the Chiefs in last place? I know it's early; it's only it's only week three. But the last time the Chiefs had a losing record was before Alex Smith. So I think there is a little bit of um, a cause for concern. But uh, ultimately, a great game by the Chargers. And I'm not going to lie; this is one of the few games of the year that I root for the Chargers. So I'm glad they put out the W. Yep, yep. All right, that's going to be bringing us to our next game. Probably one of the most anticipated games of the week when everybody was looking at the schedule. It was the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> versus the Los Angeles Rams. Rams came away with a W. Drew, what happened in this game, man? Cooper Cup ran wild. I mean, that was the story of the entire game. <laughs> the Bucks secondary was really just not there. Uh, Antoine Winterfield played decently, but decent isn't good enough uh, against an offense <laughs> like the Rams. Uh, I think that Sean Murphy bunting being injured really, really weakened their secondary because he's usually kind of their defensive anchor out there. And the Bucks, their secondary, I, I believe they were ranked 22nd in the league in the regular season last year. So it's not like their secondary is the strongest part of their defense. Their pass rush is. So if the pass rush isn't performing as well as it can, Los Angeles does have a really good offensive line. So they kind of were able to negate that pass rush, especially when the Buccaneers were missing Jason Pierre-Paul. That secondary is vulnerable to a lot of just being exposed by a lot of teams. And that's what kind of happened with Stafford and Cooper Cup. Um, I think that at this point, the Rams are the best team in the NFC West, which is lauded as the 
um, as the hardest division in football, and they're looking like a serious title contender. I mean, their pass rush is strong. The secondary is very strong. They're, I think that as a complete unit, I think they have the strongest defense in the league. Um, offensively, I, I love how balanced they are. Uh, great offensive line, strong running game when they have Daryl Henderson, great receiving options, and then their one hole, which was their quarterback, they filled it with Matt Stafford, who is way, way, way better than Jared Goff. So I think that this Rams team is definitely dangerous uh, in the regular season. Playoffs, we'll see. It's a completely different monster. Um, but as for the Bucks, I think that their offense was okay, but it, it was just kind of lacking the explosive firepower that we've come to expect from the Buccaneers offense. Uh, I don't think that Tom Brady had a particularly bad game. I just feel like they couldn't convert um, convert enough like third downs to be able to get into the end zone and make something significant happen on the scoreboard. Um, I, I also thought that them kind of – I just feel like, again, I, I've kind of criticized Tampa Bay for this in the past. Their running game is very, very sporadic. It's very weird. I, I don't like how they kind of – they put in Ronald Jones and then he's not doing well. Oh, let's put in Leonard Fournette and then let's bring in – um Giovanni Bernard I, I have no idea why Giovanni Bernard is in the game that much I, I just don't understand it at all and I mean did he play good sure but a lot of those plays that he did well on were just short little check downs in which he ran for like maybe like five yards upfield so I, I don't think this was a particularly great showing from Tampa Bay do I think that their season is over no not at all the Rams are a great team they're one of the best teams in the NFC um, and for the, 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 the Bucks, I mean, they just lost. Uh, are they going to win a lot more over the season? Yeah. Are they going to go to the playoffs? Yeah. So if I'm a Bucks fan like Dylan, I'm not worried. Um, so for me, I, I completely agree with you. I think the Rams looked really good. Uh, I think Sean McVay finally has a quarterback that doesn't limit the offense. It was a great move in the offseason trading for Stafford. Mm-hmm. Um, the offense just looks next level uh, than it did in years past. I mean, even uh, the year where they made it to the Super Bowl, it's still – Jared Goff had a very good year that year. But I feel like if they had a better quarterback, they they win in the Super Bowl, putting up more than three points. Um, their defense still top tier in the league. Aaron, If you have Aaron Donald, the best defensive tackle in the league, and then Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback in the league, I mean, it, your defense is bound to be one of the best in the league. Um, I think for the Bucks, I don't think there's anything to worry about, like you said. Um, I think they look fine. Last year, they lost these types of games. I mean, they got blown out by the Saints. It seems like in regular season, uh, you know, sometimes they're trying to figure things out. They don't want to give away too much. And then in the playoffs, they start turning it up. So I wouldn't worry about it at all. Uh, And I agree with you again. I think the Rams look like serious contenders. I think right now they're the favorites to win the NFC. I mean, even though the the Bucs are right up there with them. But it just – I don't know who – can stop this Rams offense. You got Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Matthew Stafford, a great offensive line, and then Sean McVay's genius uh, play calling. You know, I'm sure we've all seen the stat. Sean McVay is now, I believe, 40-0 when leading at halftime, and I think they're going to be leading at halftime a lot during the season. So hopefully he can keep it up, and I'm I'm really excited to see what the Rams uh, can do moving forward. Yeah, so I think the Rams Rams are the real deal. I mean, everybody kind of expected them to be – a very, very good football team this offseason. But I've got some I've got some problems with what the Bucks did this Sunday. I'm going to get into it a bit more. So normally what the Bucks like to do, you know, it's very obvious that they're a pass first football team. So they kind of like to get in one run play to start like a drive. 
you know, maybe get like three, four yards. Then they got two downs to get uh, passing yards of just five and six yards. You know, Tom Brady's going to be able to do that. But we couldn't, we couldn't get four yards. And let me tell you this, Tom Brady was actually the leading rusher for the Buccaneers on Sunday with three carries for 14 yards. Leonard Fournette <laughs> had five carries for 11 yards. Excuse me, Ronald Jones, five for 11. Leonard Fournette, four carries for eight yards. And then Chris Godwin, one carry for two yards on that jet sweep. That's that's just embarrassing. I mean, what are we doing? Get get someone else in there. I I, I don't even know what's going on. Like, how, how is that even possible? I'm getting, like, five carries for 10 yards. I mean, let, let's be honest. And then the Bucks, Tom Brady missed some throws at the beginning of the game. Normally, they always start the seat the start uh, with a three and out. I don't know why it just always happens. We did our annual three and out, but then we got two more three and outs. I mean, obviously the Rams aren't going to go three straight three and outs, especially against this Bucks secondary when the Rams like to like to sling the rock. But the Rams have a perfect balance of this passing and running game. I mean, they like they they have a, a good enough running game where you kind of got to stack the box a bit to prevent that. That's going to create one on one matchups with outside. And there's not two corners in the league that are guarding Cooper Cup and Robert Woods both one-on-one successfully in these short passing situations. And that's what the Bucs want to do. They kind of, you know, the secondary is weak. The front seven is strong. So they want to get as much of those linemen and linebackers on the field as possible. That's going to be weak secondary coverage against a very elite passing game and route running type of wide receivers. The Rams, I'm kind of worried. It's not a good matchup for the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers kind of like to be a high volume offense, get a lot of chances to put up points. And the Rams can get some really, really lengthy drives in, you know, like seven minutes all from halfback stretches and bootlegs type of deal. But I mean, Tom Brady in the playoffs is a is a different breed. I'm sure the Rams are the Bucks could possibly meet each other in the playoffs. I think Tom Brady's gonna be ready for it. But I mean the the Rams, the Rams are scary, man. The Rams are scary. Yeah, absolutely. Now moving on over to another one of our teams. Jad, you gotta be pretty happy after the Raiders pulled out that win in overtime. What was your reaction to that game? Okay, so historically, this is the type of game the Raiders lose ever since I've been a fan. I mean, it's happened the past few years. We, you know, get off to a hot start. We beat some good teams we're not expected to beat. Everyone starts talking about us, and then we lose to a team we're finally favored to win. I mean, it happened last year when uh, we beat the – we were on a three-game win streak, and then we barely lost to the Chiefs, and then we got obliterated by the Falcons, and it went downhill from there. So I'm very happy that we won this game to start off. Um, uh, when Dolphins got off to a hot start, I thought that was going to happen. I mean, they got off car through a terrible pick six. I mean, the tight end just stopped and he threw it right to the linebacker. And then we turn over on downs in our own territory. I thought it was over, but Derek Carr and his team showed resilience that I haven't seen in years past. Um, Gruden dialed up a great game. Henry Ruggs seems to be getting it together. And Brian Edwards, um, they're taking advantage of Darren Waller being doubled most of the time. I think they've become really clutch. Carr uh, came back from that rough start, and he's slaying the ball well. Uh, something that's concerning a little bit is I feel like Gruden gets a little bit too conservative when we're when we have the lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to bring up a certain uh, situation. We we're up eight with about six minutes left, and with the ball, this is a, usually the put away drive for good teams like the Chiefs, the Bucks. But what we do is we run two straight dives to Peyton Barber. That gets like a whopping four yards. And then we run a quick slant that was not really open. And even if he caught it, it wouldn't have been a first down. So I just, I don't like that. I think we should go for the kill. We got some playmakers on this offense. 
And um, it's a little bit concerning to see Gruden always play conservative. It almost bit us in the butt, but we ended up winning in overtime. And uh, as for the Dolphins side of things, I think I'm a little bit worried if I'm a Dolphins fan. I, I don't think they have a good quarterback room. And their defense, which seemed to carry them to 10 wins last year, although it's not terrible, I don't think it's as dominant as it was last year. And I think they're going to need a little bit more from their offense. And whether it's Tua or Jacoby Brissett, I just don't see them really being a threat to the AFC. So those are my thoughts. Yeah, Yeah, I completely uh, agree with you on the Dolphins side of things. I think that defense was kind of a (laughs) bit shaky. But the the quarterback, they don't have an answer for that. I mean, Gaskins, Waddle (laughs) – Fuller and Gusecki, that's a pretty solid set of offensive weapons. I'm not going to lie, but it's, it's not elite by any means. But uh, the Raiders, man, this was kind of a game where, you know, everyone on paper, you know, Raiders, this should be a W for them. But this is the type of the game that the Raiders historically like to lose. This is the type of game where they like to play very undisciplined football and then end up getting shocked after pulling off a few upsets earlier in the week. But the Raiders, I mean, they always find a way to make these types of games interesting. Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards are developing very nicely. I'm not going to lie to you. I would be very happy with how that wide receiver core is looking if I'm an if I'm a Las Vegas Raiders fan <laughs> right now. But, I mean, Peyton Barber, are we being serious right now? I mean, you guys signed Kenyon Drake in the offseason, and you're using Peyton Barber as your RB1 when Josh Jacobs is out. I mean, put Henry Ruggs at, like, RB2 or something <laughs> instead of Peyton Barber, like – this guy's really old. He was like the RB2 on the Buccaneers in 2013, back in the Doug Martin days. I don't know if any of you guys know who that is. But, I mean, the Raiders, they like to play that kind of conservative, you know, traditional style of football with their very uh, aggressive uh, – just aggressive ways of existing. But they were able to pull it out against this Dolphins team. And the Dolphins, you know, they, they've kind of got some gaps that they need to address. I expected the Raiders to win this game. And although they did win, it was not in a style that I was expecting. Yeah, um, I was pretty high on the Dolphins last year, if you guys remember. I thought they were a very, very well-coached unit uh, by Brian Flores. <laughs> I still do think they're pretty decently coached. But like Jed said, I, I, I'm pretty worried. Uh, I, I mean, the, the, the Dolphins' offense is really just really lacking firepower. Like Jacoby Brissett being your QB1 is just not ideal in any situation at all. They're utilizing a lot of short throws, which just aren't netting them a lot of yardage. I mean, like, again, Jalen Waddle had, like, 12 receptions for, like, 50 yards. Um, it, it was just the running game also is not being established. And they have Malcolm Brown and Miles Gaskin. And Miles Gaskin, when he's healthy, I think he's one of the most underrated running backs in the league. So I don't know why they're not using him as much. And Malcolm Brown was the RB2 on the Los Angeles Rams, who have a very strong running team. So I, I, it just feels like the offense is kind of out of sync. And there are definitely weapons there, like Dylan said. But, again... In the NFL, it comes down to QB play. That's what wins or loses you big games. And in this situation, Jacoby Brissett is not the guy that you want leading your team down the field to win it in overtime. Uh, it was an ugly start for the Raiders. That pick six by Carr was terrible. But they did a good job. They established the running game. But, again, I, I got to agree with both of you guys. Why, <laughs> why is Barber in there? Why? Would it, why is Peyton Barber in the game? I just don't get it. But uh, besides the fact, I mean – Raiders receiving core looks pretty raw. Um, Henry Ruggs actually had like a catch, which was very surprising. Um, (laughs) Derek Carr is showing everyone he's pretty underrated. Like myself included, I thought Derek Carr was like not a great quarterback. I thought it was maybe like a Jimmy G type situation where he's actually limiting the team a little bit, but he's definitely Mm -hmm. not 386 yards and two touchdowns and he won it in overtime. 
Um, the Rave, the Raiders also, it's a really cool stat. They're the first team in NFL history to go undefeated within the first three weeks against three teams that went over 500 last season. So mm. they are getting quality wins over quality opponents. Um, if I'm, if I'm a Miami fan, I'm concerned that defense has fallen off a cliff. Xavier Howard is really their only saving grace right now. The secondary is like serviceable, but the, the pass rush isn't great. Um, good win for the Raiders. Do I think they'll stay undefeated? Not really, not to sound too pessimistic. <laughs> um, but I do think this is a good spot for the Raiders to be in. I really, it's, it's like a very confusing team for me to predict where they'll end up just because like Jed said, you don't know, they're, they're such a volatile team. You don't know whether they're going to just fall off a cliff like they have in previous years past or if they're here to stay. Yeah, so that's going to bring us to another volatile football team. That's going to be the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, unfortunately lost to the Minnesota Vikings. Everybody get ready. Drew's probably going to go on a 10 to 12 minute rant to extend this episode to 45 minutes. So we'll let him kick it off first. Then me and Jad will add in our takes. Drew, Seahawks lost to the Vikings. What's going on with this football team, man? You tell me, Don, because I, I truly can't figure it out. Uh, this <laughs> loss was utterly – it was just utterly abysmal. Everything that we did, it, it, we allowed four sacks on offense. So – and the defense, oh, my God. The, the Vikings didn't even have Dalvin <laughs> Cook. How are we getting – how are we giving up, like, four touchdowns to Kirk Cousins? I, I, what kind of world are we living in? It, and, uh, oh, my God, Trey Flowers. Like, the – the funniest thing today, when I went to rewatch the highlights of the game, if you can, if you can even call them that, on the thumbnail of the NFL highlights video is tr- is Trey Flowers getting his ankle snapped by Adam Thielen on his way to the end zone. So that just kind of exemplifies what our defense is all about. I- I'm not going to be optimistic about the Seahawks anymore. This is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, and and what I'm I'm going to say is uh, after the fact or after the game. Uh, Trey Flowers and a couple of actually defensive, like younger defensive players who have been on the Seahawks in the past complain that Ken Norton's system is actually pretty complicated. It's too complicated. And uh, last year, Pete Carroll heard the same complaints and he simplified the, the defense for the next game. And they had their best defensive performance yet. It was the game against the Cardinals where Carlos Dunlap came in clutch with that like last minute sack. Um, so do I think we are a team that should be playing like this? Absolutely not. That's why I'm so hard, <clears throat> hard on us because Right now, we're wasting Russell Wilson's prime. I, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but we, we really are. And we, what really kills me is we've resisted rebuilding this team for such a long time. It's been six years in the making that we've needed a drastic rebuild. And because Russell Wilson is so good, we don't want to waste one of his years. But the better Russell plays, the worse it is for our team. Because we're not going to reach the Super Bowl playing like this. We just don't have the core. We don't have the overall strength to make it to the Super Bowl. We can't just piggyback off of Russell Wilson and hope that we'll get there and win the Super Bowl. It's just not going to happen. It's not realistic. It's just – we need to address our weaknesses. We we can't ignore them anymore and try to act like everything's okay because we have Russell Wilson, because we have some superstar players. Is Tyler Lockett a great player? No doubt. Is DK Metcalf a great player? No doubt. Chris Carson? Yep. Russell Wilson, are you kidding me? I mean, we have good players. It's just that the system around them is not good. At this point, I'm even considering firing Pete Carroll because this team has had this culture for such a long time. And really, that defense made our team so great. And after that's collapsed, I feel like Pete Carroll has just been kind of stuck in the mud without a strong defensive coordinator. 
we needed to have at least one year where we fell off a cliff and that just hasn't happened. We need to kind of have like a rebuilding year and we've just been too, too kind of prideful to let, let accept that we need to rebuild now. It's, it's frustrating and it's demoralizing, but at at times like this, you need to drop your ego. I mean, we, we can look at a lot of teams that have, absolutely tank like look at the lions the lions are through an absolute tank job like they they were a terrible team last year but as a result they have so many first round picks for the future and they have actually a strong foundation but with the seahawks we're serviceable russell wilson has only had one losing season within his entire nfl career which is kind of a blessing but a curse for our franchise because because he's so good and so successful we just haven't been able to get to the heights that we want to get Am I disappointed in us? Absolutely. Do I think we can rebound from this? Sure. But at this moment on, I think that the Seahawks are the worst team in the NFC West. I'm honestly uh, going to disagree with Drew. I think this is an extreme overreaction. I mean, you have a very, very elite offense. You have three players in uh, Metcalf, Lockett, and Chris Carson who could all get you 100 uh, yards and a touchdown each on any given day. It's just the defense and this like type of play calling on offense that I'm seeing. So I'll get into this a bit later in my love hate actually, but Hawks Vikings, I thought this was going to be another regular season rush performance with 350 yards and three touchdowns, Mm -hmm. but it was not another regular season rush performance. Seahawks are one of the most inconsistent football teams uh, in the NFL with so much talent. Everyone's going to say, you know, they gave up 30 points to the Vikings, but the Vikings have a very, very serviceable offense with Adam Thielen, uh, Justin Jefferson. They didn't have Dalvin Cook, but they didn't really miss a beat without him, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I guess they kind of just have a nice running back system. And the Seahawks really need to find a good balance of establishing this run game with that play-action deep passing, but also kind of these short intermediate passes to kind of just get an offense flowing because if you're relying on these uh, runs to kind of set up the play-action deep passes, that's not always going to be there. You kind of need something to to get you through the, those like third and five situations where you don't really know what you want to do on offense. You need to have an identity on those third and five situations. Those intermediate downs are crucial. Then they need a better secondary. I mean, Quandre Diggs, like how, that guy like made the pro bowl. Apparently I'm not sure how that happens in the NFL top 100. They have no pass rush. Offensive line is brutal. Just get a few key pieces. I don't think you need to tear down the whole offense. Obviously you don't need to tear down the whole team. Get a few key pieces because the Seahawks right now are kind of like an elite team that everyone knows is not actually going to make the Super Bowl. So they kind of just need they, they need to kind of get into those things where um, uh, they just need to find a few key pieces to fix their gaps. I think they could definitely get back on the ropes. Uh, so for me, I think, you know, Seahawks, I feel like they have a track record of being in close games with bad teams. But usually they, they close it out and they win. But this wasn't even that close of a game. I think uh, especially their defense is concerning because I, I still don't get how – they have talent. They have Jamal Adams, top five safety, Bobby Wagner, top two linebacker. Uh, I think you guys are overhating Quandre Tiggs a little bit. I mean, maybe he's a little overrated, but I still think he's a solid piece. But uh, solid. It, just, it doesn't win football games. They're, they're, looking, they're looking worse than last year – or not – worse uh, as a defense but definitely worse as a team I thought their defense was going to improve you know under a year with the same guys you're going to have some more chemistry but it just isn't looking like that so far it kind of looked like it week one but these past couple weeks I'm not seeing it and I think Russell Wilson can only do so much I mean I think 
this offense is definitely solid, but the offensive line's not not uh, good by any means. Um, and I think uh, on the other side, the Vikings, you guys didn't really talk about the Vikings, but I think they're the type of team that could beat and lose to anybody. Uh, you know, they lost to the Bengals week one, and then they beat the Seahawks. Uh, they, they got a good group of guys, but, you know, I don't think they could stay consistent enough to compete in the NFC for a wild card spot. <clears throat> but overall, um, I do see why you're concerned, Drew. But I think, you know, wanting to fire Pete Carroll is a little bit of an overreaction. <laughs> the guys led you to the playoffs for several years. Uh, but maybe firing your defensive coordinator would be a good start. Um, it's it's just it, it didn't look good. And hopefully they could pick it up. Usually they're a team that's good. Um, in the first few weeks and then falling off a little bit. Maybe it's the opposite yeah, this year. Man. They don't look that good, and then they start rocketing. But uh, that's just my optimism for today. Yeah, so, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being optimistic, Jed. And <laughs> l- let me go on record here and give the Vikings a little bit of credit because I realized I completely neglected them. The Vikings looked good. <laughs> um, they were coming off of two very, very close losses. Uh, their team that, like Jed said, I think they can definitely beat anyone and also, like you said, lose to anyone. Offense... <laughs> was really strong with or without Dalvin Cook. Uh, Justin Jefferson was great. Adam Thielen was great. Kirk Cousins is actually kind of underrated. People like to hate on him uh, and call him like p- – people like to call him like Jared Goff, Andy Dalton level. I-, I think he's a little bit above that. I think he's maybe borderline like top 15 quarterback. But moving on to everyone's favorite segment, it's love. Oh, yeah. It's hate. What do you guys have for me today? So, so uh, Jay, go ahead. Do you want to go ahead? Okay, I'll go ahead. So I got a love. Uh, this actually happened a couple of weeks ago. You guys were both there. I oh. love that I got my first career catch uh, yeah. in high school football history. I mean, I'm finally on the stat sheet on Max Preps. Uh, yeah. It was the rivalry game, Leland versus Pioneer. The, uh, the game was pretty much over. We were up 28 in the fourth. The crowd started a We Want Jad chant. It made me smile, made me happy. The coach <laughs> decides to put me in. A couple of plays later, I got a smoke screen. Uh, I'm a little disappointed in myself. I feel like I could have busted it for a little bit more yards but I got a solid <laughs> three yard gain I trucked the guy in the process um so it was it was really fun the crowd went crazy uh you know football season with the boys it's just it's great to see the crowd was lit and we got a home game this week hopefully I get a touchdown uh, yeah. so yeah that's my love for today yeah that's a great love we love seeing you there on the sidelines Jed um it's and amazing. in the game um, but honestly, if you think about it, that smoke screen, if you guys, I mean, we can't really show it to you on a podcast, obviously, but if you guys watch that smoke screen back, it, it's a thing of beauty. It's like, did you see that Jalen Waddle play where the Raiders actually got like a safety? I think that that pretty much makes the argument that Jad is better than Jalen Waddle. <laughs> For real. So yeah, so that's going to bring me to my love to the day. It's going to have to do with the kind of trend I'm analyzing here in the NFL. Mm. It's going to be the development of the short. Uh, screen passes in the NFL. So Drew is actually a big hater on screen passes. If you analyze our group chat, I think that they're a very underrated um, kind of style of play in the NFL. They're, you know, everybody third and eight, third and nine. If you're seeing the team's not in press coverage, get it out there to a playmaker. He can bulldoze it kind of for those final four yards. And I'm another thing too, the Rams literally ran this play like six straight times to Tyler Higby. It was really, really pissing me off. I saw the Cowboys actually copy it to Dalton Schultz today as well. Basically have trips on the right side, tight end and running back lined up on the opposite side. And then what happens is they motion out that running back, thinking it's going to be a screen behind those trips. 
But then it's actually a tight end screen on the opposite side. Higby got a touchdown off of it against the Bucks, And it just really pissed me off because Higby is such a system tight end. He just runs bootlegs and screams <laughs> the entire game. But uh, anyways, I, I, I like that style of play. It's very effective. And I think the short passing game, it's a blend of letting your players, uh, playmakers get the ball, but also that kind of high IQ because you got to be able to analyze the zones, read the sides. It's just I, I like kind of the IQ aspect of sports. If you've listened to the podcast before, I think the screen short pass game, I, I just like I just like watching. It's very entertaining. Yeah, actually, kind of coincidentally, I have a football move here, um, but it falls under the hate category. Um, my hate for this for today, you, you can tell me I was in a pretty negative mood. Um, uh, my hate for this week is actually going to be a fake wide receiver motions. Uh, do I think these are useful? Absolutely. I think they're super, super useful. And I think, I think that I'm not saying that they're not useful. I, I just, they're just so annoying to watch. It's like every single team feels the need to just pull one of their wide receivers and have them run ac- across to the other side as the, like the plays going on, they never run a touch pass or a jet sweep. Like almost never. Like the wide receiver keeps motioning over, like, like the defense is following him. It's like, we, we know it's like man coverage, dude. Like you don't need to do the motion every single time. Like I get the point. Um, and I, I understand the purpose. Obviously I'm not in the NFL, so I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's just so infuriating <laughs> to see on every single, every single snap, you just see that wide receiver start running over. It's like, Dude, you could have just stayed there and like the play would have been like equally as successful. It's just, it's just annoying to me, but um, what do I know? Yeah, so that's going to bring us to our end of our uh, podcast. I'm trying to get one out every every two weeks at the minimum. You know, maybe if we have an extremely spicy NFL week four, maybe we'll do something with that. Might get a, a team rankings post going, QB rankings, you know, something like that in between. But that's going to wrap up our episode and we'll see you guys next time. Man. See ya. See ya.